raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. This morning on The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. It's The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now it's second down and eight. Back to throw. Got it complete. Dylan Bell. Touchdown, Georgia. They've got about ten parts that they can use. And a quarterback with the patience to find them. And that five-man offensive line taking on this Tennessee pass rush and giving them a pocket to say, uh, one, two, I'll take my third guy. And he did. Yeah, man, he's starting to put them some things together for this offense. One of his bigger days of the season so far. Lawrence fakes the handoff again. Little off-balance go to the end zone. It's caught. Ridley again. Trevor Lawrence slicing him up. Texas trying to get some points at the end of this half. Stroud on first down. He was looking downfield. He's going downfield toward the end zone. Down! Leaping grab! He's got it! Touchdown, Texans! When you got seven back there, um probably should be scared to get a ball back with some time, man, because he, he's a special man. Like He's a special um, football player, and like I said, when he stepped on the field, he's the best player out there, so I don't know how they felt, but you should feel. You should feel. Orlando by 32, Indiana's second possession, third quarter. Halliburton takes it into the lane, count it, and he's on the line with a chance for a three-point play. Didn't compete well enough to start. Uh, really didn't compete well enough at all throughout the first half. Much better in the second half, but when you get down by that many points, it's, you know, it's just, uh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, just a slow start. I mean, we had a lot of days off. I mean, it's not, not an excuse or anything. We just, we didn't come out with any energy. And I don't know what exactly the reason was, but, you know, you're going to have games like this through the course of a year where you're, you know, dominated from start to finish. Uh, but you got to wash that off. And we got an opportunity to be the first team to clinch a, clinch a group on Tuesday. So um, I wash it off, be ready to practice tomorrow, and be ready to go on Tuesday. Some sights and sounds of the weekend that was. Appreciate Mark doing that. Welcome in, fellas. It's a dr- it's a live. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> not a good start to the week. It's a short weekend. You, you, you know, three days. You, you it's know, all we got. All right. I, I got up in the. I, I think got, you were so shocked by Mark finding a Pacers highlight I, from I last was, night. I got up in the air and I saw the drivehuber.com studios, and then my brain. You showed both of your hands, and then my brain went to: Does Kevin have his wedding ring on? Did he find that from Friday? <laughs> And then, and then my brain went to the gutless Texans being able to win. And then my brain went to Indiana. Are they going to lose to Louisville tonight? Welcome in. Good morning. It's a wake-up call. Go ahead. Did man. you find the wedding ring? Wedding ring Ooh. was found. Good job. I was a new man a by about 10.30 Friday morning. Good for uh, you. Mark, we couldn't even Good get the one you. highlight from the Tennessee game. The euphoria <laughs> no. after the 75-yard touchdown. Hey. I honestly thought we should storm the field after that. Stop the game there. Stop the game. Bring Dolly Parton out, and then let's Bring storm Peyton the field. Bring Manning out and Dolly Parton, and let's go. The national man. audio literally had two Georgia highlights. That was it. Oh, so, man. Yeah, that was an absolute rout. I, I think this is always one of the more unique sports weeks oh, of I love the year. This. That's what I was going to say. You know? In my jumbled brain this morning, I was going to say, man, we got football tonight. Uh, we have all the college basketball. If you care about Indiana and Purdue football, we'll have that this weekend. I was going to say, locally, I like it, too, because you know we're going to light this tree Friday night. We're going to get the Pacers playing that 8 o'clock Friday night game, which I I always enjoy the state finals, of course, Friday and Saturday. 
Uh, and, and yeah, college basketball really, really ramps up. And then I feel like from an NFL sense, it's like, okay, now we actually start to look at the playoff standings. And it's a little like... I'm sitting there, you know, watching Sunday Night Football last night. I'm like, man, the Colts kind of want the Vikings to win this game. I'm not, like, acting like Denver's going to win seven in a row, but they just won four in a row right. now. So, uh, one of my kind of, I think, underrated sports weeks of the year. So, good Monday morning to everybody out there. Thank you for spending it with us. We will get uh, back into the Colts chatter as they return from their bye week. Uh, Joel A. Erickson from the Star going to join us at 8 o'clock. Kyle Benrip, no one covers high school sports better than him. Obviously, it'll be a busy weekend for uh, Kyle down at Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll chat with him about the six different matchups here and a whole lot to unpack from yesterday. And honestly, just kind of a dud of a sports weekend from a local standpoint, right? I'm trying to think of like all the teams. Well, um, basketball yesterday, it's one of those where... And I guess football Saturday, <laughs> for those that wanted momentum into the old oaken bucket, you didn't yeah, get that from did, Purdue or Indiana. And, and we, we sat there and said, why are these two teams favored? Why is Purdue favored by three and a half on the road? Uh, it made no sense, but no, you're right. I mean, I don't even think it's an underrated sports week. It's a fantastic week. And for those, I know there are many of those that this week is a busy work week. For us, not so much, right? Right for some like me and KB and Mark Dykton, uh, not so much. But a fantastic sports week upcoming. Basketball wise, yesterday, you know the movie. Uh, is it uh, Big Daddy that has Adam Sandler? We all went to go and see Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. That last was week. the first movie I thought of when You're I heard right. his voice. You're Wednesday right. Night. So you know, you know the part where the kid puts the sunglasses on and he becomes invisible. You know that part. Sure. You're oh, a yeah. big it's daddy an iconic man. Scene. It's an iconic scene in the uh, the great movie with Adam Sandler. I mean, that's how I feel about the basketball teams. Just, just just put your glasses on and let's not be seen. Because last night, I mean, it's the first time the Pacers, of course Boston, but this was at home. Well, Halliburton played a, a, in this a, one, yeah, too. Yeah, against the Orlando Magic. And in Boston, Halliburton doesn't play. And Boston very much could win the NBA championship. This was the freaking Orlando Magic. So that happened. And then Indiana lost by 20 yesterday. And they're probably lucky it wasn't worse, giving the Xavier Johnson didn't do anything. Mackenzie and Baco didn't do anything. The bench didn't do anything. And so basketball was a complete yuck. And, and then I don't know. It, I mean, to me, yesterday, the Texans winning was a bummer for the Colts, right? I mean, the Texans winning, no doubt, in a close game. Arizona had a chance, was a bummer. I guess on the positive side, Pittsburgh losing. And then for me, Cincinnati uh, and the Jets and the Chargers all out. So now you don't have to, to me, you don't have to worry about those teams. We move them to the side. So a mixed bag, I would say, for the Colts as we get ready for the Bucks on Sunday. Yeah, I was paying a little bit of attention to Tampa Bay. And again, that'll be the matchup coming up Sunday. It seems to be kind of an annual occurrence. The Colts play a home game the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Uh, they got really banged up, Andy, at San Francisco. Uh, Brock Purdy became the first 49ers quarterback in more than three decades to have a perfect passer rating and if you look at the injuries Tampa Bay suffered defensively uh, that tells a little bit of the story there so this is a reeling Bucks team I mean they've lost I think it's four or five five of six something like that Uh, coming into Lucas Oil Stadium they're traveling you know back obviously late last night from the west coast and now they will take on a Colts team that you would think is getting a bit healthier. You know, a guy like Juju Brents. I mean, we, we talk about individual storylines here over the final seven games outside of, okay, where are the Colts in the playoff standings? Yeah, I'd put him kind of high 
on that list. Um, so that'll obviously be something to keep an eye on when Shane Steichen does meet the media later today. Uh, right now, Andy, ninth. That is where the Colts find themselves in the AFC standings. It's still a little bit of an awkward, like, okay, wait, that team's played 11 games, that team's played 10. No bye weeks here in Thanksgiving. We will get to the, I think it's the final bye week, maybe it's the second to last one, next week. So that'll kind of even everything out from a how many games have you played standpoint. Uh, but like you said, you know, Jacksonville and Houston took care of business. Uh, but if you look at the wild card, you did get some help. Um, maybe some places you didn't get you know, all the help that you wanted. But right now, I think the Colts exit the bye week. And, and on paper, I think you can make the argument of the final seven games, this might be the easiest. It might be next week at Tennessee. But if you look at, again, how banged up Tampa is, coming off the West Coast trip, they're very reeling. Uh, They've lost six of eight. The only Tampa's reason that I have eight. pause with that comment, Andy, is like I'm reminded of like, oh wow, the Colts are back at home and they never went at home. So that's like the only reason like I have a little bit of pause there. Um, but still, yeah, if if you look at these final seven games, these next two, home to Tampa at Tennessee next week, I would say these are the two easiest if you look the rest of the way. When we were going through the bye week last week, we, we were talking about Tampa Bay, but we always mentioned that they would have to go in and they would have to have the long flight and they would have to play San Francisco, right? That was the conversation. Well, they're going to go get beat up. They're going to go play the Niners. So to a certain extent... You know, we looked at Tampa Bay, but we didn't analyze Tampa Bay because we wanted to wait to after the Niners game, right? And I think that was fair. I mean, first to see if they were going to win or lose. We thought they would lose. They did lose by two scores to San Francisco, but it was going to be, hey, what is the feeling around Tampa Bay when you lose? Not all losses are created equal. You can leave banged up, and that's exactly what they did. I mean, this is like two, three weeks in a row, and I know this is his mo, but Baker Mayfield. Mayfield's also been having to drag himself off the field. I mean, let's just, I mean, Baker Mayfield is is a hit away, and I know everybody's a hit away, but you know what I mean. I mean, he has taken, he has taken a beating over the last month, and so I look at Tampa Bay. I didn't quite know, and we sit here on this Monday. I do know Tampa Bay is a bad, beat-up team, and if you're going to stay in the picture, uh, in the playoff picture, you beat a bad uh, you know, not a dynamic quarterback. You beat a bad, beat-up team, and that's what's going to be in here in Lucas Oil. And, and you win at home. And, and you win at home, something you haven't done a lot of, obviously, in the last two seasons. Yeah, and that obviously has been an issue for this team. Yeah, like I feel said, good Andy about the Colts on to... Sunday. Am I wrong uh, to feel no, good I, I, about the Colts? I was starting to feel good about the Pacers, and they were down 35 to the Magic last it's night. It's only like two-and-a-half-point favorite, uh, the Colts, as yeah. the early look ahead to Sunday. Yeah, I, I think it's where I'm at w- with the Pacers, I, I think, you know, accurately to call it yesterday embarrassing, um, not to mention Andy, I mean, that was like a sellout. That was a great crowd. You know, family night, you have sure. the 5 o'clock Sunday tip, a bunch of people bringing their kids well, to no, the game. no Colts game. Um, I do think it's a little bit of a, how do you handle success? And, you know, yesterday was the rare Halliburton game. First time in over a year he's had more turnovers than assists. And it's just going to continue to grow of... And how many times have you know I and we talked about over the last few weeks, Andy, he is one of, if not the most valuable player to his team. So what does that mean? The other team is going to do everything they can to take him away. I didn't... He tried to walk a fine balance after the game, Andy. I didn't love the Halliburton like hinting that the officiating contributed to a lot of the Pacers' issues yesterday. You just flat out got your ass kicked. And, and, and I think you just own that. 
like when Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard are getting into the game early in the second quarter, that means that Rick Carlisle is like, we are getting our ass kicked. We're getting right. run out of our own building right su- now. I was surprised by that. He, I he, was surprised Halliburton like walked that line as much as he did. He tried to do it in a very politically correct manner, but he went back to it on several occasions post game. And I just think flat out, you, you know, whatever, you listen to everybody, including us, sing your praises for four or five days. Uh, did that contribute to it? Is this a Magic team that is one of the better defensive teams in the league? They have a lot of size. The Pacers have had issues with that. You know, maybe I'm grasping at straws, trying to find reasons for it. But nonetheless, uh, embarrassing from Indiana. Uh, the beauty of it is the NBA season usually lets you offer a reprieve pretty quickly, and that will be tomorrow night. As the opener said, it is in Atlanta. That is the play-in schedule, or that is the play-in game, I should say, uh, in-season tournament. If the Pacers win that, they will clinch their group, and then they will be back at home on a back-to-back Wednesday night. Those are both 7.30 tips, by the way. Atlanta and Toronto. On the road in Atlanta, home to Toronto on Wednesday. Did that one hurt your Pacers bet, by the way? That one hurt. That was one you kind of chalked up in the wind yeah, column. Yeah, and, and obviously you've got ones that you probably have stolen, you know, at Philly. Um, but the Pacers have had it now. What have they, I, I would say three home losses where I'm kind of like, huh? Yeah. You know, sh- Chicago, Charlotte, and a little bit of Orlando. But these were at least close games. Last night was right, right, last right, right, night right. was the first Steamrolled, one. Yeah. We, we did all of the, well, we probably took them from Twitter, but remember all the stats that we did on Thursday and Friday about all the games <laughs> that Halliburton hasn't had a turnover in all the minutes? I wish I could go find my show sheet that we did all of that. It felt like every narrative, uh, every positive narrative for the Pacers that has been created this season, and rightfully so, going into last night, yeah, they, they were Seven and four, and they yeah they had earned it. They it just it blew up last night, and, and I then think they've earned benefit of the doubt moving forward. Uh, like I, I don't think this is the norm, but there is this. Okay, how do you handle success? You're on the road in Atlanta. You know where is this? Is the defense ever going to have a semblance of showing up? Because when you can't get into an offensive rhythm, and Halliburton does have one of these rare nights, then you just expose your defense even more because you're not making shots. The other team's getting out in transition and boy I mean you just blinked yesterday and it was already down you know whatever 10 early and so on and so forth Uh, and then as you mentioned Indiana they lose by 20 to UConn I think that spread ended at about like 11 or 12 so that was you know a much bigger loss than even those in Vegas just a couple things Andy sticks out to me disappointing Um, you know your your six-year senior gets put back in the game in the first half with two fouls. That message is sent by Mike Woodson of, you've been here before, you can handle this, and what does he do? He's on the floor for 90 seconds, and he gets a push off for his third foul. Um, And if Indiana's going to play big, then play big. Like, be tougher. Be the aggressor, whether it's rebounding, second chance points, defending the rim, all the things that when you start 6'8", 6'9", and 7'1", or whatever Cleo Ware is, that means you're supposed to be playing as the bigger, more of the enforcer, you control the paint, etc., etc. Indiana did not have Oon, second chance point yesterday. UConn absolutely dominated the offensive glass, and it's another one of these games where you know, Indiana throws out all the five stars, three of them in the starting lineup. UConn's throwing out more of the, hey, we're going to be four-star guys. We're going to be a little bit more veteran. Our five-star's not even in the lineup. He's out due to an injury. 
and UConn just out outclasses. Yeah, I got tired during the broadcast. Was it Jay Williams? Was it Jay Williams? I got tired of Jay Will okay. pretty early. Uh, Jay Will talking about, well, you know, Indiana has as much talent as UConn. They have more talent than UConn. I'm like, you know, the it's a 15 point game right now. I'm like, well, you know, some of that's high school ratings. I, I thought the just looking at both basketball games yesterday with the Hoosiers and the Pacers that the ills that the teams had both reared their ugly heads. Uh, I mean, you know, for for the Pacers. They don't play defense at times, and they foul a lot, and they can play. You know, and what did you get post game? Well, they didn't play good defense. Carlisle talked about that, and we saw that everyone, obviously, everyone was unhappy with the whistle yesterday. But the Pacers fouled a lot. As for Indiana, they don't shoot threes, they don't make threes, they don't guard the three, and they get beat defensive rebounding. And you saw that. See, that's uh, the issue, though. If you, we know they're not going to perimeter right. control the game. They're lose, not going to. Yeah. Don't home. lose by 11 to rebound. 10 or 11 threes. That's fine. But you can't then just get feasted yeah. on the glass. And that's exactly what yeah. happened yesterday. I, and I didn't love, you know, I'm listening to Mike Woodson with, with Fish afterwards. And, and, and Woodson says something effective like, you know, that was a wake-up call for us. And I want to sit here and be like, what were the first three games then? You almost lost to Army. Yeah, it was a close game to Wright State Florida with five Gulf minutes Coast to go. without its best player. Army, right. or, you know, Army picked to finish, what, 390th in college basketball and Wright State without its best player. Like, when is that? Like, is the bar that low? And I feel like it is. Like, the bar has turned into being such a low standard for Indiana basketball that it takes now, no, 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 you, you got to lose by 20 at Madison Square Garden for it to be a quote-unquote wake-up call when, you know, embarrassing having to hold on by the seat of your pants for 30, 35 minutes against mid-major programs at home should be the wake-up call uh, for them. So that will be 4.30 today Indiana and Louisville. And how about Louisville, Andy? They actually almost won. I mean, Louisville Max moved... Max Aismas had, had a hell of a shot to beat him. Louisville moved up like 25 spots in the Kempom with the loss. Louisville's been one of the more embarrassing programs, uh, just terribly coached programs. They have had no juice, no fire. And for the first time in probably two years, Kevin, they look they looked that much better. That's the best game they've played in two seasons. I'm not kidding. And they I have almost, not won a game away from home in the Kenny Payne era. Is no, that correct? No. I mean, that's a bad... They had a game where they beat Clemson in a essentially ended Clemson season. But I'm telling you, if you're Indiana, I mean this. Louisville's bad, and I still think they're going to be bad this season. They're a team that's going to be one, you know, sub-150, sub-140 in the Ken Palm. If you're Indiana and you think you can make the NCAA tournament, you can't lose to a bad team like this. You can't. And I almost want to pick Louisville in this game. The way they played in, in I mean, listen, it's a better matchup for a guy like Khalil Ware. He's not going to be up against uh, someone who physically is going to be in his his face. Yeah, I don't but think Ware made yikes. a two-point bucket yesterday. Donovan Klingon certainly controlled the paint in that one. Uh, also, the Boilermakers of Purdue will get their Maui tournament underway today. Gonzaga favored, last I saw, by five and a half over the Zags in that one. Obviously, Gonzaga lost a whole lot from last season, um, but that will be a five o'clock tip from the islands. All right, good Monday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton with us as always. We we still got to talk Knoxville. SEC life's yes. different, boys. Yes. <laughs> but Tennessee yes. at football, not very good. Yeah, you kept saying, I'll take the nine and a half. I'll take the ten. It's <laughs> oh, Tennessee boy. at home. And you looked right for about oh, 45 seconds. Yeah, You well, looked like you were yeah. on the right side of that game. I, I, I hate to call her out, but I thought once Dolly Parton came out, I thought to myself, oh boy, yeah. you talk about losing your fastball. <laughs>
Peyton's oh, like, wow. wait, yeah, Peyton's wow. like, wait a minute here, wait that, a minute. That is, am I listening to Jim Mersey sing me, here for me, a second? Me, I know that's sacrilegious wow. to say. Wow, yeah, me crushing uh, Rocky Top. You were stunned. What you are saying about oh, Dolly Parton yeah. is equally as stunning to me. Trust me, I know, but I think Ooh. I can say it in this market. Maybe not like in the SEC market. You might not want to say that in, uh, you know, N- Nashville, Tennessee. No, you, know, you might not at leave, all. You might want to leave that take in the in the suitcase. Good Monday morning to you. Thank you for spending it with us. It's the wake. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Call KB and Andy. Come see what's brewing. Come see what the good times are. Come see what the brewers are doing. Come on and cheer a superstar. Be a believer in brewer fever. It's fun to join in the cheering. Yeah, we're going to go out here to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel A. Erickson joining us from the star. We're talking some Colts. Uh, I guess I'll talk for Kevin as well here. Uh, Joel, welcome in. Me and KB had nothing to do with that song. That is purely Mark Dykton. Uh, that's purely Mark Dykton. He is evil that he stole your baseball manager. In a we sport. hope you had a better bye yeah. week, Joel, than that. Apologies. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. never heard that song. Uh, it hurts. It does hurt. That's the best part for Mark. It hurts a ton. Well, oh, you guys hired from within, so you got to be happy about that. Kevin was correct in his prediction. Pat Murphy, former Notre Dame manager. I uh, I I do love <laughs> I do love Murph, but I just it's it's not going to feel good for a while. You had to hire from within. You had to uh, you had to keep the culture there that, that has been set. I love how you guys are talking baseball managers in a sport where we brag about how the manager doesn't mean that much. It's all the analytics guys pull. It's it's the GM pulling the springs. Uh, Joel, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, we were talking a lot about this Tampa Bay matchup on Sunday last hour. When you look at it, some good and some bad yesterday with the Colts. The Steelers losing is a good thing. The Jets losing a good thing, uh, but. The, you know, obviously the Browns continue to be good. Buffalo won yesterday. Heck, if you look now, Denver Broncos have been pretty good in the last month or so. I guess, how pleasantly surprised are you that we're sitting here Thanksgiving in the game on Sunday could mean a heck of a whole lot for the Colts to stay in the thick of things here in the playoffs? Yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm definitely pleasantly surprised. Uh, it, it's funny, though, that the AFC... Um, you know, at one point yesterday, or, or maybe going into the weekend, I was thinking, well, you know, maybe the Colts could, everything seems to be going their way, and then it all tipped the opposite way. Um, the AFC is so deep in terms of teams, and now, 
you know, I looked up Denver's schedule. I, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're going to make the playoffs, but the way they've been playing, like it's, it's there for them um, if they, if they keep winning. So, like, there's, there, it's, it just seems like there's so many teams in the AFC capable of going on enough of a run that, that that's the thing we're going to be talking about. Now, the flip side of that is the Colts' schedule is also very, very, very gettable and got even more gettable with the injury to Joe Burrow this last week. Yeah, and then again, injuries yesterday to Tampa as well. So um, I would agree wholeheartedly with that. Again, Joel A. Erickson is with us, diehard Brewers fan as well. Very gracious to spend some time with us here on this Monday morning after how Marcus treated him here in recent weeks. Joel, how fixable do you think the passing game issues are for the Colts as they return from their bye week? That's a great question because I, I really think they come down to I really think they come down to Gardner Minshew settling down and and you know changing the clock in his head a little bit, especially coming off the last game. It, it felt like there were a lot of chances against the Patriots for the Colts to have big plays, uh, to have a better passing game than they did, and Minshew didn't didn't see them, didn't pull the trigger. Um, something along those lines. And that that's the hard part is it's it doesn't feel to me like this is this is Shane Steichen's doing that there aren't there that there that he doesn't have receivers running open, that kind of thing. Um it, it feels more like there's there's plays just getting missed from the quarterback position. And you, you hope that um, you know, just being in the offense playing a more you know, starts Minshew starts to hit some of those. We just haven't seen that yet, and I really feel like it comes down to him. Like I, I, I think I, I think I wrote this on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at, at halftime of the last game. Like I think I think right now that the passing game stuff is as simple as there are throws that need to be made, um, and Minshew is certainly capable of making them. He just hasn't been. Why do we think here he's not making those throws? Is he, you know, is he cognizant that hey, we, I, you know, I went through a couple games where I was turning the ball over and we could win by, you know, running the ball timely, timely runs, timely throws in our defense. What do you think? Why do you think he's not pulling the trigger? Why do you think he's not playing to the back of his baseball card? That's an analogy, Joel, that we've used around here on the show for quite a while. Well, I, I kind of think he is playing a little bit to the back of his baseball card. He. They, they, He's he's a, he's a backup for 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 very good reasons, and some of them we're seeing on display right now. In terms of missing some of the the open, like not seeing some of the open receivers, I thought especially the last game, like I this isn't I, this isn't earth shattering in terms of being new, but he, he just didn't look comfortable in a pocket that was often clean. And I think when you're thinking about the rush and moving around and all that stuff, sometimes you don't. Uh, necessarily see stuff downfield, at least not unless you're, you know, one of the top tier scrambling quarterbacks in the league. So that that's part of it is, and it's, that's kind of been there, um, you know, this whole season. If you think back to the Baltimore game and how he handled Kyle Hamilton, um, the, the the way he handles pressure can sometimes get him in trouble. Uh, I, I do think also that the turnover reverse part is part of it. Um, because, you know, we saw them pull the trigger for a lot of yards against the Jaguars. They were just big mistakes. And I wonder if in some of these, especially in some of these games against really bad offenses like they've played the last couple of weeks, uh, I wonder if, if part of the game plan is, hey, let's let's not take any chances. The only way we can keep them in this is if we 
turn the ball over. Kenny's Joel A. Erickson. He's with us here, uh, courtesy of the Indianapolis Star on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joel, I want to throw a couple of individuals at you over the course of the final seven games and ask you maybe who you're most curious about seeing uh, play out the rest of the year. Um, Juju Brents, Quiddy Pay, Alec Pierce, any of those three stand out maybe more than the other here down the stretch? Uh, so so I, I think out of those three, I want to see Quiddy Pay. Um, I, I think with Pay, uh, maybe maybe with him, like he, he's got four and a half sacks. Uh, that could, I mean, you could end up in the eight nine range pretty easily. It's not the kind of sacks that people love, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean you end up with a, with a huge deal in free agency. But I want to see if he can continue that a little bit. A- Alec Pierce, I kind of feel like with Alec Pierce that where he's just he's been. It's two years now of being in offenses with quarterbacks who just don't play to his skill set. Um, you know, there, there's a couple plays from from Germany that stick out to me where Pierce is open. He's very, very open, and the ball doesn't go his way. Because I, I don't know if it's because it's downfield. I don't know if because it's you're worried that a safety could get over, whatever. Um, but the ball the ball should have gone his way and didn't. And so I think he's getting. You know, Pierce has taken a ton of criticism this year um, from a lot of different angles. Sometimes, sometimes the ball has to go his way, and it doesn't. And I, I don't know if, if what we've had here in Indianapolis at the quarterback position fits his skill set very well at all. How was Germany? It was it was really enjoyable. Uh, the 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 stadium experience, the fans were. It, it's really hard to describe. First of all, they were insanely loud. Um, and I think they announced the attendance at 50,000-ish. There, well, there's not an upper deck on that stadium. There's not a third deck on that stadium. But, like, I was sitting next to Chris Hagan, and I had to, like, I had to yell to, for him to hear me at times. And then, obviously, I know everybody saw the, the Sweet Caroline and the, the Country Road stuff. Um, it was just – it was a really fun day. Like, like the kind of, kind of game that you – I'll probably remember for a while just because of the atmosphere. Everyone was there four hours beforehand. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Chris, Chris and I walked out on the field, and there were two guys sitting in the stand, sitting in their seats with a beer at eleven thirty for a three thirty <laughs> local time kick. Hell yeah! Uh, it was it was wild. Oh, great. That's great, man. I, I, that's that's a trip that I uh, absolutely would I mean, have loved to be to fair, have been on. That's they, great. Those guys deserve some credit for knowing that they were about to watch Mac Jones and Gardner Minshew. <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. getting themselves in the right state. Right. Yeah, listen, those guys were going to be drinking beer together at 11 a.m. anyway. They might as well be at an NFL football game, right? <laughs> I mean, it was uh, either there on the street. My house, your house, yeah. or, you know, Deutsche Bank Park. Yeah, it doesn't matter where. They're going to be drinking on uh, 11 a.m. anyway. Joel A. Erickson with us here from the Indy Star and the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, any, I don't know, I mean, Zach Moss had just the one carry against the Patriots, and then you go back to the Carolina game. Jonathan Taylor, 23 touches, just seven for Zach Moss. Uh, do you think that's the kind of number, these are the types of numbers we're going to look at, or do you think it will be a little bit more 65-35 and they just kind of game flow, never got Moss the ball against the Patriots? Uh, I, I do think I do think we're going to see, you know, some of the the last couple, you know, 
divisions of workload where where Taylor gets a lot until until they really figure out how to get teams out of these fronts they've been playing against because you're you're just they're hammering Taylor into these fronts because they're hoping that he can he can make something out of nothing and he has a little bit um but the other thing is it ends up keeping carries down. It ends up keeping carries and touches for the running back down when you're running into these super heavy fronts. And they, it, when when the carries end up being around 20 or whatever, they, they're just play. it seems like they're just playing the, the percentages of Taylor's got a chance to hit one of these. Obviously, Moss has been banged up, so maybe that changes when it gets healthy. If you could get back to a game where either they figure out how to run against the front or the opposing team is not playing – um, the way that some of these teams have been doing, although I don't, I don't know why any defense wouldn't borrow that game plan until it stops working. Um, then I think, then I think maybe you see more sixty-five, thirty-five. If you're getting into the thirty, thirty-five carry range for a game, I, I just until until the offense shows that it can handle this. It's been two pretty bad defenses that have done it to him. Until the offense shows it can handle and, and find ways against this, it's probably going to be a lot of Taylor just because. The way they're the way teams are playing makes it harder to run at all. Joel, last one from me. Um, I want to go down the Shaquille Leonard path here for just a second. I, I think we all can agree that he's not giving you the the twenty million dollar return on investment. I frankly, I think there's per, probably little debate on that end. Um, putting that to the side, do you think it's a relevant question internally? of Gus Bradley, Shane Sykin, Richard Smith, position coach, et cetera, et cetera, of them saying, guys, do we need to bench him? Like, do we need to – has it reached a point to where – and I don't know, maybe it's not an outright benching, but do you think that isn't a question internally of, hey, EJ Speed deserves to now take the 70% snap count that Shaq has been getting, and Shaq needs to be getting the whatever, 25 or 30%. That's a good question. Um, I, I think, I think it's probably. I do think that they're probably discussing this every week, and I think the last time we talked to Gus Bradley um, about this, he kind of he didn't say it quite, you know, like that, but he did kind of say that they're, they're they're wrestling with this all the time, you know, because we were asking about some of, of Shaq's comments about how much he um, how much he wants to play more, and, and I think you know the thing everyone took away from that was Bradley saying like I I get it that's that's what. I want all my players to feel like that. Um, it's our job to figure it out. But there was also some piece of that where there was also a piece of that answer where he was saying, EJ Speed deserves to play, and we have to find ways to get him on the field. And so I think that they've been – I do think they've been wrestling with this now um, really all season in terms of how much, how little, uh, you know, it – uh, it hasn't flipped yet, but there have been games where, like, Shaq's gotten 55% or it's gone lower. Um, I, I do think that it's something the defensive staff is wrestling with um, pretty intently. And, and I guess I, I asked that – sorry to interrupt, Andy, but I, I asked that because last year we did see, like, large chunks of the season where it would be Zaire Franklin and Bobby Okereke, you know, out on the field for virtually every snap of the entire game. Like, there, there has been moments where – even under Bradley, Eberflus for sure, even under Bradley, they've said, no, 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 two linebackers, they can play pretty much every snap. Yeah, and and this the way the way this defense is playing, they, they kind of are, are, are doing that a little bit right now anyway. You know, I, I it's it's been interesting. Um, speed obviously 
it, it just it, he's he's made he's made more splash plays. Um, it, it does feel like that you could go that way. I, I don't. It, it's hard to predict what they'll do, um, but it does it does feel like you could you could see start to see more of a shift um, than we've seen in the past. Joel A. Erickson joining us here from the Star on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I want to get your thoughts just quickly here, Joel, if you don't mind, on the game on Sunday. Now, we still need to know, clear up some injury stuff with both teams, with both Tampa Bay uh, and the Colts here. But, you know, ESPN's predictor gives the Colts about a 55% chance of winning this. An early spread has Indianapolis favored by two. This is a Tampa team that knows they're not in the playoffs. This is a, an injured Tampa team, a team that has lost six of their last eight games, Joel, and no doubt the Colts are playing for everything to stay in the hunt. What do you make? I know it's only Monday, but what do you make of Sunday's game against Tampa Bay? Well, so from a from a, a game plan uh, standpoint, Todd Bowles does he, he likes to take away the run, and he's usually pretty good at it. So I, I think you're going to see. Um, I think you're probably going to see another. Uh, Another another version of that 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 heavy front dare them to pass uh, that we've been seeing from teams, and you know the the Buccaneers. So one of the things that I've been I've been wondering about is you know the Colts. If Juju Brents is back, uh, you know hopefully he's back. It probably it probably shores this up a little bit. But if you if you have a a team with better receivers. Carolina and New England's receiving cores, mm-hmm. as currently assembled, are, are very, very bad. Um, I'm not entirely sure on, on Tampa's injuries, but they should be better than that. And, and you know, Baker Mayfield's been capable at times this year. Is is this is this a passing attack that can maybe stress this defense and secondary more than we've seen uh, from the last two weeks? Because that's one of the things that's that's one of the things that's maybe gotten overlooked a little bit is they, they went up against back-to-back teams. I mean, or the, considering the Patriots' injuries at wide receiver in that game and Carolina's just overall issues there at the position, those might have been the two worst wide receiving cores back-to-back by like in the league to face the Colts secondary. So that's another piece to this I want to see. Tampa Bay's not good, um, but neither is, neither is New England, and New England very much could have won that game if – if Mac Jones could have made one throw uh, in the red zone there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, this is not Juju Smith-Schuster. No offense to him or <laughs> all the other guys. Uh, basically, everyone other than Adam Thielen the last uh, the last couple weeks for the Colts. I mean, I mean, this is good. Mike Evans has seven touchdowns on the season. Yeah, and and you know the Patriots had just the Patriots. It was worse for the Patriots because they they kind of just lost Kendrick Bourne. Like within a couple of weeks, and he was their by far number one wide receiver. Um, it, it was two really, really bad passing attacks. I think, I think this one is a little more capable. I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's great. I think this one's a little more capable. And we've seen before this season where this this defense has struggled sometimes, or, or made passing attacks that were struggling look better than they are. I, I'm I'm very curious to see if if the, the past defense has has turned a corner. Or if, or if maybe they were taking advantage of some bad, some bad passing attacks the last couple of weeks. Joel, I love a good kicker celebration, and your guy from <laughs> Missouri had one on Saturday. Yes, he did. I love that. <laughs> he he. Uh, so I 
A couple of thoughts on that game. Number one, just very kind of Florida to let Luther Burden, who's by far Missouri's best player, uh, run all by himself past the first down marker. That's just very kind of them. Uh, and then, and then Mevis. So I've had to forgive Mevis this season because last year he missed the game winner against Auburn, and KB knows this. Oh yeah. For listeners, my wife, my wife is an Auburn grad. Oh no. And. Yeah, and you thought, thought he was down about we, about the Milwaukee oh Brewers and Craig God. Council. You should have seen him. Poor this week. Joel, man, I feel bad every time. Uh-huh. We, every time we're talking about your teams, Joel, it's something to you know survive. It's like sadness around it. What's going on? Well, <laughs> hey, hey, there is, but it's it's the Missouri's Missouri's nine and two. How about like, that's that? A, that's a good. That's a good season. That's for a great Missouri. year. It's a good season for Missouri. They're yeah. ranked ninth in the nation. Yeah. And their kicker's doing the yeah. gator chomp after the game-winning field goal. And that, was, a game, that, that was a game they could have lost. Like, that was the game sure. where you ruined your season on Saturday, but you didn't. You survived. Uh, the, the, Mizzou, the Mizzou alum chat that, that I have that, I, that, that watches games and stuff, we, we, you would not believe how much we were expecting everything to go badly. So the fact <laughs> that it didn't, the fact that they ended up winning was, was pretty fun. You know, it's, it's, there's... There's an element of avoiding the embarrassment of losing to five and five Florida. That's also still good, even if it's not like beating Georgia or something like that. And the interview comes full circle from Brewers fandom to Tiger fandom (laughs) to end it. Uh, Joel, welcome back from the bye week. Hope you did get a little bit of rest, uh, a little bit of time away, and uh, we'll see you out at the Colts Complex later this week. Yep, we'll see you. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Busy Thanksgiving week. Take us wherever you may go. Download the free app. Check us out, 1075thefan.com. You can take the fan anywhere in the world on this busy, busy Thanksgiving week. KB, you got big plans? You in, Are you an in-towner? You stay nothing, in town? Yeah, nothing okay. really. In town, watch some football, eat a whole lot. Boy, the gut is really getting big, so I don't know. Boy, yeah, you're just you're a mammoth man over there. Look how, at you. Disgusting. We're, we're going to prepare this over the next 72 <laughs> hours. Well, there we go go. Uh, no, it's going to be a fun week. It's always uh, a great week of football and basketball and obviously uh, just down the road from us here at Lucas Oil, all the state championship games. You'll be able to hear them right here Friday, Saturday on the fan. Kyle Niedenreb joins us here uh, from the star following all the th- all the happenings in college football. Kyle, we have not met uh, you know, in person, but always good to meet over the phone. How are you this morning? Doing well, doing well. Looking forward to a busy week of football and uh, start of basketball. So we're we're at the the uh, the access point here. No, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Kyle's so crazy. I bet he's going to a basketball game Wednesday night, aren't you, Kyle? I think Tuesday night. I'm not sure on my Wednesday plan. It depends on how much football I get done. Be uh, preview stuff. Well, he, uh, he, I knew it. Who are you going to see on Tuesday? I knew it. Who are you going to go see on Tuesday? Man, that's a day away. I don't even know yet. <laughs> You'll decide the morning of. You're li- boy, you're living a, a dangerous life. We used to get uh, what? Yeah, what was the Wednesday night game we used to always get? Was it Pike LN or Pike something? We used to always get on that first Wednesday. 
The best, the best uh, I covered was Pike North Central. Used to be God, uh, that's what it was. Know, the, the Wednesday, you know, those those were can't miss. You know, you knew where you were going to be. I've actually gone down to Bar Reeve, Washington, on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving too. That's the man. That's a that's a great atmosphere, especially when those teams are really good, which they normally are. But uh, but yeah, Pike North Central was always like you could barely get in the door type of game. Kyle Ned and Rib joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Kyle, let's start here. Ben Davis, Center Grove. <laughs> semi-state just set Man. just set the scene what a game and obviously ben davis moving on it didn't look like that was going to be the case just set the scene on what you were able to witness out there on friday night yeah i mean it was fantastic it was uh you know everything you'd want from a from a championship type of game and you know center grove was down 28 to 10 you know ben davis had a, a 21 point run there in the third quarter which started with a Andrew Evans interception. He almost ran it all the way back for a touchdown. If you remember, you know, Chris Evans, his older brother, uh, also wore number 12. Now he's now at the Bengals, but it's so reminiscent to me, like sitting there nine years earlier watching Chris run a, a, the game-winning touchdown. They beat Center Grove 49-45 that year, but he ran a 74-yard touchdown to basically win the game. And, and uh, to see Andrew down the same sideline. He didn't score. He got to the 11, but uh, it was just so uh, kind of just a you know, cool moment. But, uh, but yeah, so part of that was them taking the lead. And then Center Grove came back, you know, kind of knew they would. They got a big long pass from Tyler Cherry to cut it to 11 and then, you know, just kept – kept you know working got ahead you know Noah Coy had a had a touchdown catch and then you know Ben Davis came right back at him with three minutes left and and down by three and all the momentum on center Grove side and you know Mark Zachary caught a long pass from Thomas Gotkowski to kind of put him in position and then uh, Ben Davis hits a field goal to, to send it into overtime and then wins it in overtime on a on a nice pass to Nate Williams from Thomas Gajkowski and and uh you know that did it but you know it just it was a very fitting you know end I guess to Center Grove's run here because you know they did come back they did take the lead and then someone had to take it from them and Ben Davis did so you know, if that's the way, you know, the rain ends, and I'm not saying they're done winning titles or by any means, but, you know, if this, this era, you know, if that ends, that was a very fitting way for it to end because Ben Davis certainly tested and talented and capable, and uh, they had to go take it from Center Grove. And, and it was a uh, it was a fantastic game and just a, you know, very, very uh, quality atmosphere, definitely Friday night. Kyle, but part of this probably has to do with how just the state is mapped out in 6A. You know, the, the, the South rep in the 6A state finals always has some sort of run that stands out to you, and they've probably been tested at multiple multiple points but this Ben Davis run in particular for some reason just really stands out whether you want to go back to the Brownsburg game the Cathedral game obviously the semi-state game does this one you know have that same sort of I mean you'd be the perfect person to ask but to me just looking at it a little bit from afar it, it has that sort of feel in just the gauntlet they've had to go through yeah, they have great leadership. I mean, you know, you, you talk to their, you know, all three of their linebackers, you know, including Andrew Evans, but Nylon Brown is a uh, about as good of a leader as you could possibly uh, want. And he he came back from injury. He he's been out since the the IMG Academy game and played 
uh, in the starting in the you know right towards the end of the season came back and and big lift for that team. If if he's not playing against Brownsburg, they don't win that game. Uh, but yeah, it's been you know I talk about that 2014 Ben Davis team. This team is uh, kind of similar in the in the style of uh, ways they're winning. You know, that Ben Davis team won a lot of late uh, come late comebacks and you know had to uh, you know pull some things out of the fire and then ended up winning state again coming back against Carmel in the in the state game but uh, so this is this is a similar type of run you know they had to you know down by 18 to Brownsburg in the fourth quarter come back and win you know they had a had a battle on their hands with Cathedral just last week you know in the in the regional had to hit a 40-yard field goal and Ben Rudolph you know split the uprights with about three minutes left and then and then Cathedral came back and had they were throwing the ball in the end zone right at the end to, to almost beat them. So, you know, they've had to, you know, really dig in here. And then, and then to beat the defending champs, the three-time champs, you know, on the last-minute drive, you know, so just to tie it up, you know. So, very yeah, very impressive uh, way they've done it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think you'd want it to, <laughs> necessarily want it this way uh, just because it's a, it's a heart-wrenching, you know, hard, you know it's, it's just hard to win like that all the time. But, uh uh, but yeah, it's it's they're definitely very good leadership, very um, you know very talented. Obviously, you don't get here without being really talented. But you know that that leadership on that team, I think, is is uh, is very you know palpable. It's very you know easy to see when you when you cover them and and you understand kind of you know why they believe they can get it done. And you know it's it's. Uh, They'll be playing a different team this weekend in Crown Point. Who there's no history there, so you don't you don't know how those teams match up necessarily. But you know it's it's hard to based on the run Ben Davis has had so far, hard to pick against them this weekend. Again, he has Kyle Nenrip, just outstanding cover. What what year is this, Kyle? It's got to be over twelve for you. Yeah, I think this is a 16th. 16th year for Kyle Nunnerup here. Uh, beyond grateful to have him uh, covering preps for us from a local standpoint. Obviously, read his work at the Indianapolis Star. It'll be the odd classes Friday, even on uh, Friday. Odd classes, even on Saturday. Um, you mentioned Crown Point right there. Um, outside of our kind of local market, and I know you're probably just kind of getting into some of this early in the week, but what is maybe the, the big story that you're paying attention to? from a non-local team coming down to play at Lucas Oil this weekend? I mean, you have to say, East Central, you know, in their run, I mean, I would be curious to see how they would match up with the top 6A teams. Uh, East Central, if people don't know, you know, they're the defending champs. They're playing 4A. Um, they're number one all year. They have, they're running back Josh Ringer might be Mr. Football this year. He's very highly in the discussion, uh, certainly. Um, you know, and they, they just... You know, they they took it to Newcastle forty nine nothing last week. That just that doesn't happen, you know, ever. <laughs> so, you know, they're they're legit. I mean, they beat Cincinnati Moeller uh, earlier this year, um, and they play a Northwood team. You know, uh, Nike Tuggle for uh, Northwood is a, a Georgia commit. So three o'clock uh, Saturday, I believe that game is. That will be an interesting game. Right? East Central definitely the favorite, but you know, Northwood's got some got some guys too, and. They're doing the media day today, so I'm curious to ask and, and kind of find out more about these players from outside the area. But, uh, but yeah, Northwood's a team that's been there. You know, they've been to Lucas Oil before. They're a traditional, strong program in the north. You know, how they match up with East Central, I think that's an interesting game before that'll lead into the Crown Point Ben Davis game. 
um, on uh, Saturday afternoon. So that one that one stands out to me, and, and certainly. And, you know, East Central is a team that, uh, you know, we kind of expected them to be here, so not a surprise. But uh, but can they finish off this run that they've had? And then does that lead to uh, to Ringer winning Mr. Football, I think, is is, is a question um, that could be decided. Uh, to me, like, the you know, the Decatur Central-Snyder game, uh, that'll be Friday night. Uh, you know, that Snyder's very talented. They beat Warren earlier this year. Decatur, you know, plays a great schedule. Uh, they've won nine in a row. You know, I think that will be a really good game and 5A to me has been really the most interesting class all year just because of the you know it's been so wide open you know you, you, you can't really pick a favorite in that class so I think that, that could be maybe the best game of the, of the weekend uh, potentially and then you have some other you know Chittard you know you talk about uh, East Central and uh, their run but then you know Chittard and Lutheran locally have been really strong in their classes all year Chittard beat Cathedral earlier this year and they're 14 and 0 um, you know they're playing Heritage Hills in the three A game, and Lutheran, it's Lutheran's in the third year in a row they're playing Adam Central in the championship. And Adam Central, you know, honestly has played them really close, uh, or played them tough anyway the last couple of years. So, you know, we'll see if they can get over the hump. Uh, you know, and, and, and very familiar opponents, obviously there. So, but yeah, it just, there's a lot of you know, there's um, you know a lot of interesting storylines I think to these games and. You know, we'll see how it all shakes out, but uh, but yeah, I mean, the, to me, Lutheran, Sattard, and East Central have kind of been big favorites in their classes all year. I'm curious if the other teams matching up with them uh, give them a good game. Cal, you mentioned Mr. Football in the state of Indiana. How up in the air is it, really? That's a great question. Is it's you know how the IFCA does it? They you know there's a Mr. Football position winner for each position, and then those. And how they do it now, those winners are basically uh, the, uh, you know, who you vote for for the big awards. So you only have, you know, basically you have one quarterback, one running back, you know, one receiver. Those will be great battles, you know, to see uh, who comes out and wins those uh, the individual awards. And then, you know, how it it shakes out with the voting for the actual, the big award. Um, You know, I I think it's, you know, to me, like Ringer, what he's done here this last you know, these last several games, really this whole season, you know, and then kind of what he had already done leading into this season, sometimes that kind of creates some separation for you even before we get to this point. So, you know, I I, I would say, you know, to me, you know, he, he looks like a guy who could win it. You know, Ben Davis kind of, you know, you, you always think of the 6A team as having a guy, and, and Thomas Gatkowski, you know, he just got named the uh, Marion County Player of the Year, the quarterback for Ben Davis. And I think, you know, it depends on who they pick for quarterback. You know, Tyler Cherry from Center Grove certainly had a great year, but they didn't get there this year. So I don't know if that will play a factor or not. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it, and then the receiver, there are a ton of really good receivers this year. Um, you know, so so that'll you know that'll depend who and, and Tuggle. I mentioned him who's going to Georgia from Northwood. I wonder if he, you know, being on this stage in the, in the championship game, he's got really good statistics. So, you know, I don't know if that'll put him over the top for receiver. So, just thinking about some of that, you know, how that how that shakes out will obviously shape the uh, you know the the position award winners will help shape the big winner. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I, to me, I think Ringer though. I just keep going back to him. I mean, he just seems like he's got the the resume, and if they went two in a row to, to close out his career, that that I think will uh, make it pretty hard, uh, uh, you know, for anybody to uh, to doubt him um, that he that he's that he'd be he'd be a good winner. 
Again, our coverage, 11 a.m. coming up Friday and Saturday. The odd classes on Friday, even on Saturday. Our airwaves will have all six games from over at Lucas Oil and the state finals coverage. And certainly for the Annapolis Star, no one, no one does it better. Year 16 for Kyle Ned and Rip on the local beat here from a preps standpoint. Kyle, always enjoy your work, man. I hope to run into you soon. And uh, thanks for the time on this Monday morning. You bet, guys. Enjoy the games, and uh, thanks for having me on. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.